Hey everyone, Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us. Before we get into our episode, I want to remind you about the Helpful Marriage Conference coming up on March 4th and 5th. It'll be challenging, it'll be sweet, and it'll be a lot of fun. You don't want to miss it. Check out helpfulmarriage.com and register today. All right, today, Tim Bailey, Max Carell, and I talk about Christmas. The conversation features African hyraxes, Christmas cows, and a discussion about how to lead your family on holy days. I hope you enjoy it. My name is Lucas Weeks, and this is the Out of Our Minds podcast. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good to see you. Tim, hey, hi. What's up? Max is also here with us. Hi, Max. Hello, and hello there. And Merry Christmas and Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, I was actually about to say that. I was about to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. (laughs) This is going to be our Christmas episode, so I think we're allowed to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas. Have you guys done your shopping yet? (laughs) Uh, I bought you a present, and you're going to love the present I bought you, and I bought it for you about two weeks ago. Wow. And I spent a long time finding it. Sweet. I can't wait. I know you'll like it. <laughs> Good. That's great. I love buying gifts. Do you like it? I love receiving your gifts. <laughs> They're awesome. That really gifts. wasn't the question, was it? <laughs> well, I I actually do enjoy giving gifts. I do. I, I mean, it is it is difficult to sometimes to find gifts and to think about, be creative and that sort of thing. Uh, but I do enjoy it. Have you done your Christmas shopping yet? No, not at uh, all. Well, Christmas shopping we've done. We've done more just getting ready with uh, like what kinds of foods and special things, and mm. some of the gifts we've done the we've done the gifts that you buy online kind of stuff so yeah. far, but not much of the going out. I remember I was good at going out the last minute to try to find a gift for my wife. Hmm. And that wasn't necessarily the best plan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I really dislike, actually, I really dislike last minute shopping. So I am highly motivated to try to get my shopping done early because I just don't like that pressure. So I wanted to start today by asking the question, what was unique about your Christmas experience growing up. Just talk talk about something that's a little unique. And I'm going to start first. Maybe this question is kind of tailored to me because I grew up in the Congo. So (laughs) so So Kwanzaa? Yeah, yeah. yeah, They don't know anything about Kwanzaa. Um, So my my recollection of, of growing up and celebrating Christmas was actually traveling from Kinshasa, the capital city of the Congo. Um, It was called Zaire at the time when I lived there. And flying to Bandaka, which is where my grandparents served as missionaries. My grandparents went to the Congo in the 40s, so my family has been in the Congo for a long time. Anyway, um, but Christmas at my grandparents, you know, it's not abnormal to go to grandparents for Christmas, but at my grandparents' house, they live about, you know, uh, what would it be, 30 yards from the Congo River, literally. You could look at the Congo River from their front porch. And so we, I did things like learn how to water ski at Christmas time on the Congo river. We, my, my, uh, uh, grandfather had, uh, uh, some ponds that he had built on his property. And so the kids would just love to go fishing every time, every Christmas we go fishing. And one of the things I, I also distinctly remember is that my, 
grandparents had what's called a hyrax. Do you guys know what a hyrax is? Mm-mm. It's uh, it's like it's this strange animal. It's I think sometimes it's also called a rock badger. It's a very strange animal, and it makes this very strange call, really loud, obnoxious call, and it does that sometimes at the night. So that that would be a surprise sometimes. What does it sound like? I wish I could make it. Maybe I'll have to find it for the this recording and stick it in the audio. Just uh-huh. to give, it's a weird sound, uh, very high pitched. Last recollection I think is pretty funny is that my grandfather would make a Christmas tree. He would take a banana stalk and then find and stick it in a pot, <laughs> basically, and it was very fibrous, you know, stock for a banana tree. And and then he would find branches of a tree that kind of looked like an evergreen, and he would stick it in the banana stock, stick those branches in the banana stock, and sort of create a Christmas tree that way. So we would have a, a sort of a kind of a Christmas tree. So when you were skiing on the Congo River, Lucas, did you have to jump over the hippos as you went along we sort of slalom past them you know in between them (laughs) no i don't remember but so my dad just got back from the cargo he said that he had just taken a trip down the river and had watched in the distance the uh the hippos their noses poking up a little bit yeah but they you know you try to avoid those guys you want to leave them alone (laughs) no doubt (laughs) so what about you gentlemen any any unique memories Anything that was distinctly Corel about your Christmas? I probably will remember as we, more as we go along, but I think we had a, a kind of a very consumer generation, uh, baby boomer uh, type of Christmas. There's that, you know, the, the, the Christmas story where the boy wants a Red Rider BB gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that kind of setting is very much like I, what I remember with the kind of lights on the trees and I grew up in Michigan. And so they so did a good was, job with that movie. There was generally a lot of snow. Well, it didn't really just tell a lie. It actually mm. told some truths. Mm. You, there was a lot of tearing things apart, greed, a lot of tiredness on the part of the parents, a mm. lot of putting things together after the kids go to bed. But I remember all that kind of stuff and it was, I have very fond memories of it. Mm-hmm. And our families would do, uh, we would get together, and our tradition was getting up at Christmas morning. We pretended about Santa Claus when we were kids, and so the parents would get it, would make things, put things, bikes and things together. If there was a bike to be mm-hmm. put together, that would happen in the night. And then I distinctly remember waking my parents up at four o'clock in the morning and saying, "It's time for Christmas," and I distinctly remember my father putting me back to bed <laughs> it's, it's not it is time not for time for christmas <laughs> that's funny but but a joyful time yeah there were always programs for church there was caroling hmm. that we would do the young adults that's, generally would more that's something i i just don't remember much of i mean when i was in the states we did that maybe a little bit but i suppose in some in some smaller towns they still do it we mm-hmm. used to go caroling. It was people expected it. Mm-hmm. There was just caroling, and then you went back to the church after caroling, and you had hot chocolate and and just sat and talked and and had a great time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just a thing we did every every Christmas, mm-hmm. and the the community expected you to do it. Mm-hmm. That was very sweet. 
The church always gave away on the Sunday before Christmas, there were boxes of candy. They would always give away these uh, boxes and they'd get them from Brock's Candy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they were made especially, I think, for churches to give people on Christmas. That was funny. And everybody got a box, and what you didn't want was what you you if you were a kid, what you wanted were the solid chocolate stars or the <laughs> chocolate covered peanuts. Yeah, but you didn't want the bridge mix because that had the the jellies and things in it. Nobody mm. wanted to eat the gel chocolate covered <laughs> jellies. You know, so every kid would get a box of those at Christmas. And it was a lot of fun. Huh. So those are some of my memories. What about you, Tim? Back in Philadelphia before my brother Joe died at Christmas time, um, that kind of put a kibosh on celebrations of Christmas for years after that. Maybe 10, 15 years, we'd give dad bah humbug gifts at Christmas because he was never in the celebratory mood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But prior to Joe dying, Christmas was a wonderful time. It was interesting, though. The center of Christmas in my memory before Joe died was always uh, Delaware County Christian School. My parents and a few other parents had started this Christian school, and they had a habit of going to Grace Chapel, I think in Upper Darby. We lived in Havertown, so it was just up the road a bit. And uh, so for the Christmas program, that was the one time in the year you'd go to a church, and you had this big Christmas program, and the uh, initiation right to be a student at Delaware County, if you went to kindergarten, was that you memorize Luke 2. Mm. Uh, most of it in the King James Version. And mm -hmm. so the high point of the service was the recital. And my recollection is that all the students did it, but it was sort of led by Miss Schneider and the kindergarten. So mm -hmm. they had the prominence. And as soon as that was over, we sang that famous Christmas carol, which everyone listening I'm sure knows very, very well, called Who Is He in Yonder Stall? <laughs> and so I have very warm memories of, of those times. Although now looking back, I wish the center of the celebration of that holy day uh, had been the church. I think so often Christian schools end up replacing the church in the life of the family and its love for Jesus Christ and we need to return to the church. But then out in, when we moved to Bartlett, right when my brother died, I do have a couple of good memories. Every year we would go out caroling. And our caroling consisted of our family and whatever friends were there for the evening. And my brother Nathan blowing his trombone. Hmm. Well, I've played trombone. If you know anything about trombones, they'll freeze outside when it's very, very cold. Uh -huh. And so at some point, he would be unable to play because he wouldn't be able to move the slide, you know. Wow. And we'd go from house to house. We lived in a rural community where people probably had, each of them had about an acre of land, and we'd go from house to house. We always liked going to the Polish Catholic family because when we got there, they'd invite us in, and they'd have a hot toddy, and our parents and their parents would drink these alcoholic drinks, you know. Mm -hmm. I was always proud of my parents. We, at that time, we didn't keep alcohol, but I was proud of them, that they were just simply were neighbors mm -hmm. and were participated. We tried for many years, we kept the tradition of singing Christmas carols alive. But when we moved to Bloomington, soon after we got here, we tried to go caroling one night. 
And we lived in this east side neighborhood mm-hmm. called Spicewood. And so we went out to a couple of houses and it was like clear that caroling in Bloomington was an act of aggression. Mm. And I remember going to one guy's house, knocking on the door, and there were probably 15 of us there singing. And he comes to the door, he's, he's a bachelor, and he's in his 50s, 60s. And he never cut his grass, and the city was always fighting with him for not cutting his grass, you know. So he comes to the door, and we're out there smiling and singing. And he opens the door, he says, what's all this about? And we said, he was foreign, I should say. He was Eastern European. And he said, well, what are you doing, you know? And we said, it's an American tradition. It's Christmas caroling. And he looks at us, and he says, all right, go ahead, slams the door shut and walks back to the back of the house. <laughs> so I think that's the last time I've been Christmas caroling in Bloomington. Wow. Yeah. I had an experience like that here also about 17 years ago. We went out with our, our, our home group caroling. And as we were going to this to one house in a neighborhood, the persons came in and they drove their car into the garage. One of our carolers was standing by the garage and they would not respond to us and the garage door just was shutting in front of us. So we we most all of us took the cue and actually turned around and started to walk away still singing. But one of the carolers just persisted and sang lowering her body all the way down wow. as the garage door went down singing underneath <laughs> underneath the garage door wow <laughs> you will hear this carol <laughs> so that actually is interesting that we get that kind of response in bloomington obviously if you don't if you've never been to bloomington uh, it doesn't surprise me that this is the experience because that's the kind of place bloomington is but that leads to an interesting question there are christians throughout history who have not celebrated Christmas, right? The Puritans in particular. And should we, modern 2021 Christians in the United States of America, should we take a pass? I just wrote a blog post about our principles in secondary matters. I mentioned vaccinations, masks, Christmas, Mm. and dating. Mm. And said those are typical of places where I think the Apostle Paul would treat those issues similar to his treatment of eating meat sacrificed to idols. And I made the point that God says that he looks on the heart, whereas man looks on the outward appearance. There's so much external pressure to conform Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the conservative church today because there's so much to be contrary about in our wicked culture that we almost define ourselves by not celebrating. In other words, it's not just a question of Christmas. It's a question of no holy days, no celebration, no joy. The more stern and stingy and small-minded we are, the more holy we are, we sort of think. Well, it's it's like we think, you know, things are going to hell in a handbasket, and so how can I possibly act like things are good? Well, one of the good things about Starbucks saying happy holidays and leading everybody into a a refusal to say Merry Christmas, right, Right, Christ, is that Christmas is becoming more of a Christian holy day. Yeah. And so we're kind of getting it back because of people's resistance to it. See, that's that was that was my thought when I thought of thought up that question. I just think it is becoming more Christian. And that's a good thing. I would say, you know, I haven't read the Puritans carefully on this question, mm-hmm. but, uh, and I do respect them, 
Um, but man, Christians, and I think it's clear throughout the Old Testament, we are commanded to celebrate, celebrate things. And what, what better way to, thing to celebrate than the coming of Jesus Christ? You know, this is, does it have to be on December 25th? I'm sure that it don't, wouldn't necessarily have to be on December 25th, but I think it's a pretty good date because it's in the middle of the winter and it's <laughs> great to have something delightful. It's great to have a reason to put, you know, this is the first year I put Christmas lights up on outside my house. Yeah, I've never really? done that before. <laughs> oh, I've got to go see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm interested. <laughs> well, the other thing to remember about Christmas is that the Puritans' rejection of an awful lot of things in worship, it had a context. Right. And if you want to read about that context, read uh, The Worship of the English Puritans by Horton Davies. Mm -hmm. um, and it will help you to understand why we have a lot of the commitments we have, why we're a little bit squeamish about some things. Another thing the Puritans were opposed to was using a ring in the wedding vows and ceremony. And I don't want to go into why they didn't use one. I would not disagree with them back then, but now we do use a ring or rings. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. My dad never had a ring. And then when he was in his 50s, and he traveled constantly, he was always flying around mm -hmm. the country speaking. And all of a sudden, he showed up with a wedding ring one day. And he said, I want to make it clear that I'm married. Hmm. And so we have to realize that you can't always transfer the convictions of past generations without committing an anachronism, without yeah. making an error of a different context. There's a guy up on Sanityville right now that's talking about how his wife covers all the time. She always had her head covered. Mm -hmm. And... If you read Calvin and other people on head coverings in Corinthians, you'll find out that they say that when it comes to clothing and hair length and stuff like that, it, 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 part of it is cultural. And we have to realize that our conviction should be culturally engaged and come from our heart. And so uh, we had a guy come to our church that had been a Campus Crusade staff worker, and then he had, uh, he had seen that Scripture— uh, teaches the doctrines of grace, reformed doctrine. So he came in our church, he was single. He was a grad student in mathematics, I won't name him. <laughs> but he announced that he did not believe in Christmas. And I remember my wife, so then he got a woman that he was interested in. Sure enough, they got married. And Mary Lee said, we'll see how many children he has before he starts celebrating Christmas. So they come back occasionally. We say, are you celebrating Christmas? And Guess what? He is. He's not comfortable with it. It's almost like he's angry and having to admit it, you know. But I assume that his children and his wife had their way, and there are worse things than for a father of a home to lose to his <laughs> wife and his children. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We need to be aware that the Puritans were against any holy days, but maybe people will think I've gone to seed in my old age when I say this, but... There are wonderful things about celebrating Good Friday. Mm. Namely, I think Good Friday is really almost the highest holy day of the year. I always have trouble with people who don't come to the Good Friday service, but then come to Easter. Hmm. I don't think it should be allowed. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've said that a lot of times. 
And man, to hear the substitutionary atonement preached Mm -hmm. on Good Friday and to hold the service at noon, Mm -hmm. it does things. Uh, Good Friday is such a Christian holiday. But the other thing is Christmas is, is, is a holiday of working class people and mothers, women, and children and babies. In other words, the whole theme, you know, it's the oh, shepherds. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's Mary, this precious, blessed mm. Virgin Mary, all generations shall call her blessed. And mm. then the baby, you know, he abhors, lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb. And so I think it's personally, and I know I'm going against the Puritans in this, and I love the Puritans, okay? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely love them. I don't know where I would be in ministry without a number of Puritans. Owen, uh, Baxter, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Thomas Watson, on and on. J.C. Ryle, although he wasn't a Puritan, but he almost was if you read his writing. But when it comes to Christmas and Christmas Eve, it is such a tender holy day. Mm-hmm. And shouldn't we honor motherhood today? Well, at a time where 1% of the world's population each year is killed by abortion, mm. 1%. Um, and that actually is not an accurate figure because that doesn't take into account all the babies that are born or that, that are killed while they're trying to implant themselves on their mother's mm-hmm. womb. Yeah. And that's the main, one of the main agencies of hormonal birth control. But you look at the dishonor of women today who are mothers. Mm -hmm. You look at them not getting paid, of them having to work as well as being a mother. And so we look at the humiliation of motherhood in the church, outside the church. We look at the anti-child mentality that's across the Western world. We look at the inconvenience that we feel about infants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everything the church can do to honor pregnancy, and motherhood, and children we should be doing. Mm -hmm. And here you have the beauty of Christmas. It is such a tender holiday. Mm -hmm. And so, no, we should not bypass Christmas now. I think we're in a context where we need Christmas now. And I'm so stupid as to say, I think the Puritans would encourage us to celebrate Christmas (laughs) today. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. So, as a father... You're supposed to lead your home. Have you put any thought into how you lead your home for Christmas? As I sit here trying to answer that question for myself, I think that one of the main things I want to do as a father is show my family how delighted and joyful I am about the coming of Jesus Christ. No man is a hypocrite in his pleasures, right? So often we talk here on this podcast in our church about needing to have the hearts of our children. And the way you're going to do that is by being open hearted with your children yourself. This is where I want them to see that I am delighted. I have real joy about this. And that's that's not necessarily an easy thing to do, right? You know, because there's stress and there's financial things and there's all kinds of reasons to get grumpy during Christmas season as a dad. But, oh man, we can't do that. We have to show our children and our family the joy that we have at the coming of the Christ child. 
I'm your father-in-law, and I would say that if you do this in no other way other than having babies with your wife and loving your children, and our whole church sees you and other men in the church who have a ton of kids loving the children, and people will say, well, that's not loving Jesus and being happy for Jesus coming. Oh, come on. It's like we, we never want to see the parts of life which are our testimony to mm. our faith in Jesus Christ. We want our faith in Jesus Christ to be explicit at every point. It's implicit in holding the babies. It's implicit in giving gifts. And just because other people have corrupted it doesn't mean your children are not going to see you're holding the baby and you're giving gifts as a love for Jesus. Jesus himself said, in as much as you've done it to the least mm. of these, are we really going to argue that giving something to a homeless guy at a light is our fulfillment of that when we choose with our wives not to have babies? Hmm. I mean, come on. If the least of these are in Calcutta with Mother Teresa, aren't they maybe your Mary Louise in her wheelchair? Isn't she your least of these? And so I want people to not just get intimidated by this and to think that they have to, you know, recite Luke 2 with the children before anybody opens their stocking and then we sing these songs and then we have these prayers and stuff. I'm all for that and we do it. Nevertheless, the basic orientation of you as a father is so obvious to your children and to all of us who watch you. It's beautiful and it is the joy of welcoming Christ and you welcome Christ in Mary Louise, you welcome Christ to the children. You might say, well, yeah, but I'm often grumpy. I don't really want to do it. And I said, well, when have any of us ever not been grumpy with godliness? And one of us have ever wanted to do what is right? I mean, you know, can we be philosophical about our weakness and still do the right thing? Uh, you sound like you're disagreeing with me, but I'm not sure I disagree with you on what you're well, saying. Well, I'm just convinced, knowing you personally, mm -hmm. that you're somebody who would be dismissive about anything that you do being labeled godliness when you're just doing it because you love your children. Don't right. you think that's true of him? Well, as you, yeah, but as you're talking, I'm thinking it's interesting that this past Sunday, Lucas preached, the text was the text about John the Baptist, and it was Zacharias and... And Elizabeth. Not Anna. Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, it was Zacharias and Elizabeth. I and wondered about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's, it's, I'm sitting there thinking, Anna, who's Anna? <laughs> so, <You know? laughs> but it's fascinating. You think about, if you think about the account of Zacharias and Elizabeth, at the very point of the gift of John the Baptist, mm-hmm. They had prayed. What was true of John, of Zacharias and Elizabeth? They were godly. They were obedient. Yep, walked they the were holy. They yep. walked in the ways of the Lord. And all the while, they had a, a petition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the petition that they had to God that was announced to them that they got to hear was, God has heard your cry. Mm -hmm. And what's the cry? We want a baby. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Elizabeth wants a baby. And then she gets pregnant. Mm -hmm. She's advanced in years. She gets pregnant. And as she's pregnant, what does she say? She goes into seclusion for six months, and you think she's hiding in shame? No, 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 no. She's in seclusion celebrating hmm. that, that her reproach is gone mm -hmm. because she is a woman who has brought a child. She's bringing a child to present to the world 
a son is going to be born to her. Mm -hmm. And you think about that and you think, okay, there's a Hallmark movie, right? Yeah. No, 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 absolutely not. Because you're looking at it and Tim's saying, look, bring, present to God this, present to people this, that your obedience and the joy you have in the children of your life Mm -hmm. are something present to God. At the moment of the birth of Christ, the the precursor, the the uh, prerequisite, the, the the first thing that happens is that John, the announcer, comes. Mm-hmm. John, the 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 declarer of things, comes, and he's born just like that to a woman. Yeah, and that very her his very birth is the removal of her reproach and the fulfillment of her life's uh, wish. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then you think about Hallmark. And there's never, you know, Hallmark is like, would never do a movie about a woman who just Hmm. longed and longed and longed to have a baby. (laughs) And yet they're famous for Christmas. I mean, that's what they've built their movie industry around Christmas. And I may be wrong. Maybe there's some obscure Hallmark movie that never really made the ratings as if any of them do. But, you know. Could you imagine a Hallmark movie that's built around the idea of a woman having her life's desire not be that she's a doctor or a lawyer or fulfilling huh. her, her quest to, to save the world, but rather she wanted to have a baby. And it's just funny to think yeah, about. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, because that, there, is, there is the incarnation. Mm-hmm. It was Elizabeth. It was Mary. And can anybody gainsay me in saying that the most notorious miracles of Scripture again and again are God opening closed wombs? I mean, or saving little babies who would be killed by Pharaoh. You know, you look at Moses, you look at Abraham and Sarah, you look at John the Baptist, you look at Jesus. Right. And it's like this is the holy day that we are celebrating. And that's already intense when we denigrate motherhood today. And we have two children, two, two, you know, and our homes are clean, you know, and we have two incomes and we have a summer home and all this stuff. So Christmas blows that stuff to smithereen because for Mary, it was not convenient for her to be pregnant. Uh, yeah, no way. Very inconvenient. And then you have the theme of Joseph being such a protector, such a man, caring for this woman. Oh, what a beautiful, you know, all these people that blog and podcast about masculinity. Wake up and smell Joseph, which nobody's holding up as a paragon of manhood, but he really is. And then you got the shepherds out at night, and that's who God calls But then one other thing, two other things actually at Christmas, you've got John the Baptist jumping in his mother's womb to announce, Mm -hmm. in the womb to announce his Savior's presence and what that does to the slaughter of the unborn today. The beauty it presents that set apart by God from his conception, he began in the womb Shortly after his conception to do the work God had called him to do, which was to announce his Lord. Right afterwards, what do you have? Rachel weeping. Mm -hmm. And so I know that historically conservative Protestant reform people have not celebrated the holy days 
but man, it's this period of, of the church here. It's just filled with the very confessions of faith that are needed in the church today. And I don't say outside of the church. I say in the church. Yeah, I mean, you think about having your church meditate on the slaughter of the innocents. And Mm -hmm. how can you think about that without thinking about abortion in our our world today? Mm -hmm. I still, well, I don't know. The question of what you're trying to do as a father leading your family, my point was just leading my family in joy. And I do, I think you're right, Tim. I mean, that, that comes out all throughout the year. You don't want to flip a switch at Christmas time and be fake or be weird. Okay. So can I address something about celebrations that I think as a father, you have to lead your family? Yeah. So I was first trying to demystify it because I think so often pastors who teach online through podcasts, through writing and stuff, vodcasts, will give people, do this, do this, don't do this, do this, do this. Instead of teaching people how to think, they'll tell them what to think. Mm -hmm. Instead of showing them where they might adopt habits that are enjoyable to them, they'll tell them this habit you should have. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to demystify it originally, but then I'm going to come back and say, Even though you don't want to, you should take the lead in a number of the formal parts of Christmas. So, for instance, at the Christmas meal, you should sit at the head of the table and you should either pray or ask the person. You should preside. Mm. And I think a lot of celebration of Christmas really is presiding. That's mm-hmm. what the father is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. His wife is still fixing gifts and wrapping them, and he presides. He says, all right, we're going to do the gift opening now. Now, first, we're going to re- recite the Luke 2 story. Then we're going to sing some Christmas carols. Then, Josiah, I want you to pray. Yep. Daniel, I want you to be the one with your brother who disperses the gifts. Wait until the gifts are open before you get another one. Okay, now, everyone, we're going to go out and carol. One of the things my dad did was he got up very early on Christmas Day. And this was after he came back to Christmas, after mm. years of bah humbug, right? Yeah. And he had this white beard, and this was back at a time when nobody, but nobody ever had a beard other than like beatniks, okay? (laughs) So for decades, my dad had a beard and it was white even when his hair was dark. Mm. So he would dress up in a Santa Claus suit and stuff his his costume with pillows and stuff. And he'd go around, ho, 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 knocking at the doors of homes on Christmas morning early and giving them some gifts, you know, and and saying, Merry Christmas. He was presiding. And even though you feel inadequate as a dad to preside, Mm -hmm. now, if you're in a home where there isn't a father, there isn't a husband, maybe your husband died, maybe you're divorced, then you have the job of presiding. There should always be somebody presiding over holy days and the rituals that you adopt, okay? Mm -hmm. You don't have to do the reading of scripture. You don't have to choose the hymns, but you have to make sure that you have appointed somebody to stand in your place. And it needs to be clear to everyone that you are presiding. So that's one thing I would say. That's an important thing for men, if they are in the home and married and have children, or for a mother, if there is no man in the home, that she presides officially. Yes. And a lot of young men today have not had a an example growing mm. up at all. And so the idea, the concept is what you need to grab onto to lead your family, mm-hmm. to call them to God. 
in this way and figure out the things you want to be your traditions, the things that they will look at and that they will count on that you preside over. And if you want, if you need ideas, you can talk to men and, and about what they've done or what happened to them when they were young. That's fine. Don't think that uh, the things that they do are magical no, yeah, no, or, Honestly, or particularly yeah. holy. They yeah. do them all. Oh, they do goodness. them all just with the work of trying to love their families, to love God with their families, and to establish these traditions for the joy of their children. You know, you started. Go ahead. Well, can I just say, yeah. uh, you know, you said uh, preside, and I think some of the best advice I've ever received on this point is just do what you love. Just do what you love. Absolutely. If you if you love doing it. Then lead your family, you know. I, I happen to enjoy the Muppets Christmas Carol, so that's well, the movie my kids get I, to watch. <laughs> I had a I had a couple in my church up in Toledo, and they uh, didn't have a Christmas tree. Yeah, his wife was a seamstress or, or an artist. They were both artists, and they fabricated what a Christmas cow. <laughs> now, now you're going to quake inside hearing this because you're thinking of the golden calf or something. Uh, this was this this uh, sewn felt cow that hung on a wall, mm-hmm. and they would decorate it. <laughs> with things. And it was just absolutely absurd. But if you knew their personalities, what you knew is they loved God very much. Mm-hmm. They had been delivered from some horrific sinful backgrounds mm-hmm. and that when they did this they did it with joy and happiness and they didn't expect anybody else to get a christmas <laughs> cow you know what i'm saying it was, was just the, their kind of funny way it was it wasn't an advent calendar obviously but it was just a thing hanging there and then they i don't know if they put gifts on it they would pin things on it stuff like that. my dad loved dylan thomas as a child's christmas in wales and so every christmas he would play that and of course he loved it and so we were all supposed to love it i have to admit that was one time it didn't work i, I, <laughs> I never say, i never I've never made i never that one out. Yeah, i've <laughs> never why why it turned him on i don't know but oh boy he was gaga for it but yes do what you love yeah do what you love and do not do it for public consumption do not put any pictures of your christmas up on instagram yeah do not pervert your joy in your family by sharing it publicly now i don't mean that i'm going to share some pictures from a christmas party at our house at our high school youth group yes we have a youth group and no (laughs) that doesn't destroy the character of our children all right i'm back um (laughs) i want to label all these pictures i mean it was an unbelievable party yeah where tons of ministry went on the place it was just gorgeous and I'm going to put up all the pictures and the label over them is going to be, these are all the awful things that happen when your church has a youth group. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever you do, do not pervert your celebration of Christmas by bragging about it. And that's what Instagram and mm-hmm. uh, Facebook, I can put these pictures up because I wasn't the one that did it. Mm-hmm. I want to show all the love of the elders and the deacons and their wives that that lead our youth group for the kids Mm -hmm. and the kids were so excellent but in our home 
it was cold usually at Christmas. Remember, I talked about the trombone. Mm -hmm. And it was not uncommon to be from 10 above to 10 below. <laughs> okay? Mm -hmm. It was freezing cold <laughs> up in Bartlett. Yeah. And... Two of the things we did is my sister, who's a little wacko, she decided she was in love with winter picnics. And so we would actually go to a park with snow and cold, really cold. And we'd use one of the barbecue pits and start a fire and have an actual meal there freezing our buns off. <laughs> I mean, absolutely frozen to the bone, but we were having so much fun. <laughs> but then my mother decided one year that she thought it would be fun to have a sleigh ride. And mm -hmm. so she actually found a horse uh, boarding house that offered sleigh rides. And so she hired them and all of us piled into the cars, drove over there and got on this quote sleigh unquote. Well, there wasn't enough room in the sleigh where the blankets and everything were. So my sort of brother-in-law and I were way at the back, like on the, on the runners standing, holding on to the back of the sleigh. And of course we were down there where all the poop was, you know? And so the poop would be steaming as it came out, <laughs> out from under the sleigh, you know? Oh and it was so cold. And this was my mother's desire that we, and so he and I would look at each other and we'd say, are we having fun yet? Yeah, are we yes, having, yeah. well, what a wonderful memory of how horribly cold and stinky and muddy and cold and muddy, yes. And so my point in, in telling these stories is, whether it's vacations, whether it's Easter, whether it's Thanksgiving, whether it's Christmas, find what you love, do it with your family, and that will become your tradition. You don't have to adopt anybody else's traditions. You don't have to to do what other people expect you to do. And for heaven's sake, don't get in a fight with your in-laws. <laughs> Present company included. Well, <laughs> you may not know what pastors and elders do, but we m mediate conflict in churches. And so it is regular for us as pastors to have to mediate the conflict between couples in our church and their in-laws. Oh, yeah. Because the marriages are at stake. Sometimes it's a question of whether they feel safe with their children visiting other homes. Sometimes it's COVID practices and who is and is not willing to have their children in the home if the children aren't vaccinated. And so there are a lot of opportunities for conflict. And pastors and elders, uh, we do want to help you think through those decisions, uh, not make them, but help you think through them. So that's another facet. There are going to be conflicts. I think it's inevitable. Well, yep. I mean, you're getting together with family. I mean, and expectations for Christmas are so high. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. anytime you have high expectations, conflict multiplies, mm -hmm. you know. People are disappointed at Christmas. I think of a, a few widows in our church who lost their husbands this last year. Mm -hmm. And man, Christmas is going to be hard for them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What are the categories of things that you have at these times? in the life of your family, Easter and Christmas, Thanksgiving, you have activities, mm -hmm. gatherings, mm -hmm. you have food, you have, at Christmas, you have gifts, and then you have people that are coming together 
my children have certain things that they have grabbed onto from our traditions that I better not not do, hmm. or they better get an opportunity to do. You know? Would you please do us a favor and, and tell about the holiday, the holy day that you have started celebrating? As We had a time about six or seven years ago where God, uh, through all kinds of activities, some of them some of them coming out of sins, some of them coming out of just difficulties, uh, where God did some marvelous kinds of things in our lives. A lot of them converged in one year in an October date Mm -hmm. or on a month of October. So the next year we instituted something called Mercy Day. So we, on Mercy Day, we get together and we celebrate. We celebrate God's taking of <laughs> the difficulties of our lives, including the difficulties arising from our sins, mm-hmm. and cleaning them and then presenting them back to himself <laughs> as offerings of beauty, mm-hmm. which is a strange thing that God does in our, all of our lives constantly. Our inability, our sin the awfulness that we are, God takes all of that and he brings it right back to present to himself as something glorious in his in His reconstruction, in his rebuilding. Mm-hmm. So we do this every October and we have a gathering time. We have piles of candy that the children, there's a rule that you, know, you have to get a candy, one candy an hour or something like that <laughs> so that they're not like just throwing up all day yeah. or something. <laughs> then we have rides uh, on the track in the wagon and we have puzzles and we have games and we have teaching times one year we had pastor bailey come over and be our teacher and with the children he planted a bunch of daffodil bulbs Hmm. in october and then in the spring he told them about death and resurrection as he planted them and Mm -hmm. in the spring the children all we when the daffodils bloomed we took them out we said look do you remember what we talked about in that time and we try to think of creative ideas. We go, we decorate the trailer with the different colors of the the do the wordless Bible thing. Uh-huh. Guys, yeah, yeah. And then we talk about that every year, something like along those lines, mm-hmm. some kind of craft. And then we have a very special meal where we do some elaborate uh, preparation of a special smoked meat or something, and and some kind of crazy wacko dessert that usually has like 800 calories per square inch, <laughs> something like that. That's just real extravagant. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk and we'll, we'll sit around and talk and we might pray and sing and we'll talk about things in the recent year that God has done and give him mm. glory. But that for my family has been as a as a memory time and as a gathering time more special than christmas in many regards because it's very focused mm. and also because it uh, it is minus all of the external trappings yeah. in other words we're yeah. not in competition with anybody yep. Yep. during that time because we're able to concentrate very carefully on mm. on that but again it's it is the 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 things you put together they don't have to be complicated we try not i t- i say to my wife for mercy day i don't want it too complicated yeah i want it to have some very basic things i want to enjoy it and i want the family to enjoy it christmas don't make it complicated but mm. do plan some things mm. that are special and that may end up being cinnamon rolls that are had every 
morning mm, after Christmas, you know, the day or after. Or maybe a sleigh ride. Or a sleigh ride behind a horse with horse steaming. <laughs> steaming. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And your odds of having snow for a sleigh ride in Bloomington are uh, pretty low. Once every 10 years, maybe, yeah. that yeah. we'll have snow on Christmas. So, Well, that's very sweet. You know, I've had the privilege of being with you on some of those mercy days. And it reminds me of one other thing that should be said here. And that is make sure to include singles and divorce and widows and, mm -hmm. and homeless and make sure to include other people in your celebration of Christmas. Because the minute you have a baby or a homeless person or a poor person or a depressed person at Christmas, whatever you felt about your own inadequacy vanishes because now you have a purpose. It is not just to give your children a good time and make your wife happy, but it's also to cast the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ and of the shepherds and of Joseph and of the cattle over the top of this person and to let them know that Jesus came for them. And that because they have life circumstances where they don't have maybe the dignity that they used to have as a wife and as a mother, maybe their children are gone, but that Christmas is for everyone. And if there's ever a holiday that that ought to be the case with, it's Christmas. Mm -hmm. There was no room for them in the end. You know, the cattle were lowing, you know, the shepherds were out working in the fields. And when they got done seeing Jesus, they went back out to the work in the fields again. Joseph was an also ran. I mean, what on earth did Joseph do when Mary gave birth? And then Mary, what a mm. precious virgin. What better a thing to model and bring your children into than that kind of inclusiveness mm -hmm. of loving people with them. Yep, amen to that. Loving each other and being loved by people as they come into your home. It's very nice. Thanks for listening. We'll be taking a break next week, but we will be back in the new year on January 6th with a special episode about the story of the slaughter of the innocents found in Matthew chapter 2. I hope you'll join us for that. My name is Lucas Weeks, and the conversation today was with Tim Bailey and Max Carell. We serve as pastors at Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. For more great content, please visit warhornmedia.com. To support this podcast, you can donate at patreon.com slash outofourminds. Bye for now.